as I shared earlier, I really do believe that moms are the most important ministers on planet Earth. Uh, I get to teach Bible college, and sometimes I, I get, you know, pastors in there, missionaries, uh, guys that have different types of callings. But man, the ministry of a mom is so vital. I'm also thoroughly convinced that you're the ones that work the hardest. You do everything that needs to be done for each and every family member from sun up to sundown. And so I uh, encourage you to be um, blessed today and I just see you always working, even in between those hours. You know, I've told you the story before about the little boy who gave his mom a, a, a houseplant for Mother's Day that both touched her and troubled her. The reason it partly troubled her is because there was a ribbon on this particular houseplant that said, rest in peace. And uh, <laughs> apparently the little boy thought it would be perfect for his mom because she's always working so hard. And so hopefully today you moms, you know, don't, don't leave, okay, like that. But, <laughs> you know, do rest. And I pray that you would have that peace that comes from God. And I hope you know... What a difference your life makes, your love and your persistent prayers in the child's world and even in this world that we live in. You guys have heard that saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world? Have you guys heard that? Uh, it's true. You know, many, many years ago, the New York Times was asked to help a women's club decide who were the greatest, uh, 12 greatest women in the history of America and after much consideration, the editors replied, the 12 greatest women in the United States are women who have never been heard of outside their own homes. Uh, they went on to give example after example after example, such as the mother of Thomas Edison. Uh, if you guys know his story, you'll know that when Thomas Edison was a young lad, his teacher sent him home from school with a note that said, your child is dumb and we can't do anything for him. And so his mom, Mrs. Edison, wrote back, you don't understand my boy. I will teach him myself, and she did. The results, I'm sure you know, Thomas Edison has been described as America's greatest inventor, holder of over a thousand U.S. patents, including the light bulb and the motion picture camera and the phonograph, and my son informed me today, even the voting booth. Uh, he's also credited with the creation of the first industrial research laboratory. You know, but, but really, who deserves the credit? Is it Thomas Edison alone, or, or is it his mother, Nancy? You see, that's the influence that you have, and I hope you know how important you are. And so today we appreciate you, and I'd like to share with you uh, more of a message of a thank you uh, for what you've done, and also maybe even a word of encouragement to keep uh, doing that labor of love. And so here in Psalm 127, I want to draw your attention just to verse 3, beginning with that, it says, behold, in other words, look, pay attention. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And so first of all, I'd like to thank you for childbearing. And I'm going to give you guys three thank yous. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's my OCD in me. I have like this thing where I like to outline stuff. And so first one is thank you for childbearing. The second point is thank you for child caring. And then the third point is thank you for child sharing. You know, and your childbearing has to do with the fact that you decided to have a, a child, that there's a decision involved, and then there's a delivery, which I'm glad that that's for girls and not boys, to be honest with you. 
But, um, you know, the childbearing, I, nowadays I think we need to be grateful for that decision. You know, they say today, and i got to bring this up just real quick, that the most dangerous place in America is in a mother's womb. You know, statistics tell us that there's close to one out of every five children conceived who are aborted, and even more higher statistics in larger cities. And so, uh, I don't know, I just, I, I want to say thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Now, again, if you're here today and you've maybe made that mistake of having an abortion, one thing I want to say right off the bat, don't allow the enemy to beat you up for that. As we bring this issue up, uh, you got to know this, that your child is in heaven, and there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Understand this, that the blood of Jesus washes away all your sins. But we must talk about these things, you know, and so we do say to you, moms, thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for seeing children really for what they are, which is what we read here in Psalm 127, that children are, are a heritage from the Lord and the, and the fruit of the womb is a reward, okay? You know, and, and what we as God's people need to do is be so very careful not to buy the lie that children are a burden, rather than a blessing. You know, children are from the Lord. Children are a reward from God. I've never met anyone who said, I regret having so many children, or, you know, this, you know, truth is so huge for us to know. You know, you see, moms are called to childbearing. We read that in Genesis 1.28. It says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And so I just want to encourage you to guard your heart and your mind. The world will yell. The world will tell. The world will sell you their lie that children are a burden rather than a blessing. I just want you to know what the Bible says, that that's not true, that children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a woman's reward. You see, as a woman embraces her role in this as being a mom and a homemaker, among other things in society, she will embrace what Almighty God made her to be. And this is why um, moms are so good at it, because they were made to be this. And so when you read the scriptures, you see Psalm 113, verse 9, a really cool verse. It says, He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. And one translation, it says, a happy mother. And so we see that happy Mother's Day from God as he blesses you with children. Now, again, having said that, you guys, I know there are some out there that say you have to have 27 kids. Okay, we're not like that, you know. Uh, what we believe is that the, the main thing I want to communicate to you is that you got to see kids for what they are. They're a blessing, not a burden. It doesn't mean you have to have, you know, as many kids as you can. That's not our, our framework. That's not our mentality. You know, when God made the world, he created it. And then when he was done creating it, he said it was good. So that's something between you and the Lord. The Lord will show you the divine details. The main thing for us to see in life, however, is that children are a blessing. Okay? Secondly, and thanking you for bearing children, we see, first of all, the decision. Secondly, the delivery. Uh, you guys remember Genesis 3.16? It says to the woman, God said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. And so 
going back to this, you know, that it hurt <laughs> when you gave birth. Um, nowadays, they have epidural. I think it still hurts, however. But for most of you moms here, maybe you didn't have that. Uh, I was reading uh, through uh, um, different things. And I know some would say, hey, Manny, you know, giving birth to a, a child doesn't make a mom. You know, and, and I hear what you're saying. But, but you know what? You know, when we consider a mom giving birth, remember that before the birthday, there was about nine months or so of carrying that child within the womb, which drained life and energy. And then there was that care during that time without which that child would not have survived. And so I hear what you're saying, but I think there should be a thank you for the decision. I think there should be a thank you for the delivery, you know? You know, I know us guys, thank God, we're not chosen for that. Um, they say that guys can't bear pain like women. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I have a feeling it is. You know, but I was, uh, I don't know what it's like. I read a couple of descriptions regarding what it was like. However, one mom said, the pain is like having your insides twisted, pulled, and squeezed. She said, if I fought it, the pain became worse. It was like getting caught under the undertow of a wave. And so I don't know if that's accurate or not. You moms can tell me afterwards. Another mom said, I would consider labor pains as menstrual cramps. I don't know what those are either, but <laughs> thank God. She said, multiplied by a million. It feels like your abdomen is trying to squeeze out all its contents, not just the baby. And so she said, they come in waves and varying intensity throughout the labor process. And she said, I have a pretty high tolerance for pain, but giving birth was definitely the hardest thing I have ever done. And so I, I know some kids don't think about this, but man, thank your mom. Thank her for the decision. Thank her for the delivery, for enduring that pain, because I think in many ways, it's kind of uh, symbolic of what's ahead. I wonder if part of the reason moms experience so much pain in the delivery of their children, aside from the consequences of the fall, is that it's an indication of future tears in future years. How the tough times in the journey along that life, mingled with joy, really describes the role of a mom. And so, first of all, thank you for childbearing. Secondly, uh, thank you for child caring. You know, for tending to your children, and we'll say, we'll give it three categories, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This is what moms do. And for that, I'd like you to turn to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Notice what we read in verse 7. Paul says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. You know, Paul mentions a mom nursing her children, feeding her children. She's a, a nurse, if you think about it, in every sense of the word, right? I mean, she's pretty much the one who takes care of their feeding who takes care of their bleeding, right? I mean, they run to mom asking for a Band-Aid, and both are necessary to live and to grow. Uh, she replies to their cries uh, when they're hungry, when they're hurting. Mom was there every step of the way, taking care of her children as a nurse does a patient in a hospital. That's what 
our moms have done for us. It's kind of funny at our house, you know, just to watch Shelly uh, naturally, faithfully, consistently care for the kids. And my kids aren't kids anymore, you know, but she's still a mom. You know, uh, she wonders what they're going to eat. And uh, to my shame, and that thought never comes to my mind, man. You know, I just figure they can make a sandwich or toast a Pop-Tart or fast. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> Whatever, they'll live. But one of the things I notice about moms is it's always on their mind. It's always on their heart. You know, here in 1 Thessalonians 2.7, it says, We were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother notice cherishes her own children. Uh, the word cherishes in the Greek language, it means to keep them warm. Again, to my shame, uh, now that my kids are older, uh, even back when they were young, I kind of wouldn't really think much about asking whether or not they have a sweater or a jacket when they leave the house. But once again, Shelly, even still to today, never fails to ask them, do you have your jacket? Where's your jacket? I mean, it's always been that way. Uh, she kept them warm in her womb. And then when they were born, all those blankets, I remember how she bundled them in those blankets like a, more than a burrito. It was a taquito. I mean, it was really <laughs> tight, man. And I wondered sometimes whether or not they could breathe under all those blankets they were buried in. But that's what moms do. You know, the child bearing, the child caring, moms care for their children like nurses feeding them. Uh, when they're bleeding, they get the band-aids they tend to them cherishing them keeping them warm the greek word right here it also means with tender loving care don't let anyone ever tell you that a kid doesn't need a mom and a dad they're supposed to be a little different and children need both you see moms need to tender their children as a nursing mother and and also as a loving mother if you go over to titus chapter 2 Notice what we read here in verse 3 and 4. It says, The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. You know, the, the Greek word here, it speaks of a, a mother's love, a very special love for her children. You know, some moms, every once in a while, you'll meet a mom that needs to be taught. That's what we read right here. But it seems like for most moms, it comes naturally, right? That they love their children, even though they're fallen creatures, trying to make it in a fallen world. What we find is that moms are there with that unconditional love to, you know, to tend for them. And they're bred and fed and led by their mom throughout their life. And if they don't have that love of a mom, chances are they're not going to make it. And so, you know, even though life gets tough, you know, we know some of those kids, huh? Some, I wonder, you guys ever have one of those kids? They say that every family has one. Okay, I'm not sure if that's true or not. But I read a story about a mother of three children who were known to be little rascals. And she was asked uh, whether or not she'd have children if she had it to do all over again. And she said, yes, but not the same ones. I thought that was <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but you guys know, huh? That's not the way it is with moms, huh? Don't they love all their kids the same? I mean, I've noticed that. They're amazing to me. And we today want to say thank you. Thank you for 
childbearing. Thank you for a child caring, tending them physically and that love that you have for them that's unconditional. And so as moms, we're caring and you're doing it physically, but then you're also doing that emotionally. And if you want to turn to Isaiah 66, 13, you can. If not, I'll just read this passage to you. Isaiah 66, 13, it says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. God is saying that as a mom comforts her child, I will comfort you. And that, that really brings up that level of comfort and emotional support that a mom gives to her child to a, to a very high standard. And, and there's a reason for that. Moms are usually softer, gentler. Uh, there's a reason they usually cry a little easier. Don't you guys, have, haven't you ever noticed there's a tendency to be, they're different. God made them different. They're, they're tender. They're different than most dads. You know, kids are supposed to hop on pop, right? Dads are supposed to have that element of uh, rough and tough, but moms are, are, are supposed to be tender. They're the tender gender. When their child's heart is hurt by the bullies uh, or so-called friends, uh, they are there, man, to take care of us and to comfort us and to keep us warm in a world that's cold. That's what moms do. Thank you for being there for us. You know, your children won't always tell you when something's wrong, but that's when mom's radar kicks in. Have you guys ever noticed that? Moms have that radar. <laughs> they can kind of see when things are not right, even without you articulating it. And then they make a few suggestions. They minister to their hurting hearts. They comfort them when they're crying. And they, in that process, raise their children to be healthy adults. You see, you tend to us physically, you tend to us emotionally, but, but then thirdly, you tend to the children spiritually. And so just in case you're here and you're thinking, Manny, my mom wasn't that soft. Man, she used to give me a thrangasso. Turn to Proverbs 29.15. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Proverbs 29.15. It says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You know, and again, in most families, the father is the disciplinarian due to his strength and sternness and his role. But this verse right here, Proverbs 29, 15, it also implies that moms should not always wait till the father gets home. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, moms should also work on their swings. I think that's what the Bible teaches. You know, we see that in our text that moms have a part in that verbal correction, and also the corporal punishment. And some moms, they do pack a wall up. Any of you guys have a mom like that, just out of curiosity? <laughs> you know, they take that rod of understanding to the seat of correction. Um, don't be afraid. You know, take aim or take shame. That's what they say, man. You know, I, I will say this. Never uh, discipline your children in anger. Never. And I would also say this, this is just my personal conviction, never leave a mark on them. Never hit them hard enough where you would leave a mark. I would encourage you not to use your hand. Use a rod or a, or a chancla or a wooden spoon or something maybe. But right here where there's padding, okay, nowhere else. That's my opinion. 
You know, some moms, they'll sock their kids. I mean, don't do that, okay? <laughs> you take the rod of correction, the Bible says, to the seat of understanding. Make sure you do it in love, never in anger. Because notice what this verse says. It says the rod and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. If you just leave your child, whatever, he'll be okay. No, you, especially in the early years, you take advantage of that love that you have, and you be the one to discipline them, not the police. You be the ones, you see. And that's what God wants us to do as parents when they're still young. There's another proverb, Proverb 13, 24. It says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And that word promptly in the Hebrew language, it means early. And so you do it early on in life. You know, because they say that a child, their character is formed and so much about their future is shaped in the early years. And that's why you're loving them and you're bonding with them. And this, when they get a little older and out of line, you discipline them in love, you see. So this is what they do as they tend spiritually. You discipline them. Uh, secondly, you teach them the word. If you go to uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Notice what we read in verse 8. It says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And so there you see mom and dad together as a team raising their children in the word of God. It's also dad's job to teach the kids. But oftentimes, a mom will be the primary teacher simply because uh, nine times out of ten, she's the one that has the most time with the children. You know, you read Proverbs 31, verse 1. It says, the words of King Lemuel, which is probably Solomon, it says, the utterance which his mother taught him. And what I've learned in life is a, is a saying is the best academy is a mother's knee. And a, a mom's heart is the classroom of a child. And so you moms, you're teaching them the word of God. You're reading it to them. You're living it for them. You see, thank you for childbearing, for making that decision and, and even giving that delivery Thank you for child caring as you care for us physically, as you care for us emotionally, as you care for us spiritually, teaching us the word, and then uh, training us in the way. We read in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, you guys know that teaching and training are two different things. Training carries the idea of taking the lessons they've been taught you know, uh, academically and living them out in life, teaching them how to connect the dots. Like teaching is like interpretation, but training is application, which means you can't train them unless you've taught them. And, and by the way, you can't teach them unless you've disciplined them and established the authority as a parent. Any of you guys remember high school? Any of you guys remember high school days? You go, and sometimes you would have a substitute teacher, and every once in a while, they weren't able to kind of control the class. Those were fun days, huh? 
But you know, you don't get a lot of teaching done in that atmosphere. But when you have a teacher who has this loving authority, and they got the classroom in control, then the teaching, it just uh, it skyrockets. And as you teach them that with that authority as a parent, then, you know, you can, you know, instill those things with them. What you're going to find eventually in life is that you eventually become a coach from the sidelines, and then eventually you have to let them go. And we'll talk about that as we close today. But all these things are built one upon another. Um, one other thing, in, in, in taking care of them spiritually, not only are you disciplining them and teaching them God's word and training them in God's way, but you're praying for them, right? That's what moms do. I mean, there's a million passages we could turn to. I think of 1 Samuel 1.27, where Hannah said, For this child I prayed. For this child, I prayed. I wonder if the kids here today are, are grateful for the way that their mom spent hours and hours and hours praying for them. And I wonder if they know, I wonder if they know why, you know, the Lord has blessed their life. The Lord has protected them and and corrected them, and directed them, and even perfected them because their moms prayed for them. I mean, it's probably the most important thing of all. You know, one guy said this, When you were small, I covered you with blankets from the cold night air, but now that you're out of reach, I cover you with prayer. Abraham Lincoln, he said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Again, going back to that premise that, you know, it's, it's the moms who are, are so influential. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said, I cannot tell how much I owe to the prayers of my good mother. Lorne Sani, he's a, a gentleman in Navigator's Ministry, he once wrote of his mother, he said, My mother gave birth to me in a frontier house on a Midwestern prairie. On the kitchen counter, she placed a list of the ingredients necessary for my formula. At the top of the list was prayer, and that remained at the top of her list for me throughout her life. I have her to thank for firmly establishing my spiritual roots. And when you read the scriptures and you read about the Syrophoenician woman who wouldn't leave Jesus until he answered her prayer, you read about the Gentile woman who ran to Elisha when her child died and she ran, nothing got in her way. She wouldn't greet anybody. She didn't let anybody stop her. She knew how important it was to pray. You know, when you read about Hannah, it's an interesting story there because she was always praying for a child, praying for a child, and God said, wait, 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 wait until finally her prayer morphed into a prayer that said, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. You see, and to me, when I think about praying for our children, I think really that's probably the most important thing is as they follow the Lord, we say they're born, Lord, for you and your purposes. And so you pray for them. What a difference that makes. The last thing in taking care of your children spiritually is that you as a mom, have to have a genuine faith, you know? And, and one thing I will say, there's no perfect mom. There is no such thing as a perfect person, right? But that, that mom who has that faith that's genuine, what a difference it makes. We read that in 2 Timothy 1.5. Uh, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith 
that is in you, Paul said to Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And so here's a man who has a genuine faith, but it's because his, his mom did, and, and she has genuine faith because her mom did. You see the way it works when it's real. You know, when Robert Ingersoll, the notorious skeptic, was in his heyday, two college students went to hear him lecture. As they walked down the street after the lecture, one said to the other, these two college students are talking to each other, he said, well, I guess, you know, he knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? And the other guy said, no, he didn't. I, I don't think so. He said, Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I will stand by my mother's God. See, what a difference when that faith is real in the mom and genuine. Thank you, moms, for the way that you have demonstrated to us who God is and what a difference you've made. The most difference, I think, of all. You know, Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, he had four sons, and they were all preachers. And someone once came into the drawing room when all the family was there, and they thought they would see what Howard, one of the sons, was made of. And so they asked him this question. Remember, the dad's a preacher, four sons are a preacher. He said, Howard, who's the greatest preacher in your family? And Howard had a great admiration for his father, and he looked straight across at him, and without a hesitation, he said, Mom is. <laughs> and it's true, huh? Moms living that life, you know, sharing that message through their life. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for childbearing, making that decision, giving that delivery. Thank you for child caring and the way you do it so faithfully, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But then the last one is this. Thank you for child sharing. And, and by that, I mean that, you know, we raise them up to send them out, don't we? Unfortunately, we can't keep them to ourselves. Now, there might be some parents here who say, no, fortunately, we can't, you know. But, you know, to be honest with you, I almost hate the thought of not having my children with me daily to protect them and, and direct them and, you know, whatever, to hang out with my son or kiss my daughter on the forehead. But, you know, we've got to let go. Um, some moms, not all, but some have a hard time with letting go. And you know, part of the objective of parenting, however, is to prepare our children for just that, independent adulthood. You know, we're receiving children, conceiving children. We want to raise believing children, but then eventually leaving children. We want to encourage them to go out and to live their life for the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Psalm 127, just a, a couple of pages to your left. Psalm 127, notice again, it says in verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quivers full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. And so if you were a, a warrior and you had a quiver full of arrows, you pull it out, boom, and then it's time, man, to shoot it and to let it go, right? And that's what we see children are in so many ways. For some, it's hard to let them go. For some, it's not as hard. 
Uh, as one person said, it kills you to see them grow up, but I guess it would kill you quicker if they didn't, right? Whatever you do, moms, don't raise your boys to be mama's boys. And don't control or keep your daughters dependent upon you. It really is one of the worst things you can do. You know, they're different than you, and there's a big difference between counseling them and teaching them to follow God and controlling them and teaching them to follow you. Share them. Let them go. You know, I remember one son, you know, he... He learned the hard way, man, when he wanted to take all the furniture with him. And, you know, mom and dad said, no, that's our furniture. <laughs> you got to learn how to grow up, right? And as we allow them that sharing, we, we let them go, then what God does is God will bless them. So um, Mother's Day. What do the moms really want for Mother's Day? The number one thing is jewelry. That's what they say. That's what they're going to spend the most money on. How many of you moms want jewelry? You would never say that. Huh? You know, I want to share with you in closing uh, what, what Kathy Laurie said that she kind of wanted for Mother's Day. She said, what I want for Mother's Day this year isn't much. In my opinion, the flowers fade, the perfume evaporates into the air, and the new dress eventually ends up on a rack. And, uh, and she, so she said, here are three gifts that I think will not be forgotten. And so it's not too late for you kids maybe to do this, okay? I hope I don't mess up your plans or anything. But number one, a card or a handwritten note. Just in case you're wondering, well, what am I going to get you know, for my mom? I already bought her a card, and it, it said all everything I wanted to say, and I kind of signed my name on the bottom. And, and no, she says, no, no, write a note. Write it from your heart. Write a card and share with her what you appreciate. Secondly, she said a long hug. I mean it, a long hug. And I don't know if all moms are like this, you know, but she said, let us be the ones to, to first let go. And so you're there, you're hugging your kid. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, they'll do it real quick. And she said, no, it's Mother's Day. You give them a long hug. And then, and then thirdly, she said, verbalize your love. Look her in the eyes and let them linger a moment, then smile and say to your mom, I love you. Thank you for being my mom. Those are the first three things, but the final one and the most important of all is that you would serve the Lord, that you would choose to follow Jesus Christ, the God that she serves, because out of anything that any child can give to his mom, that's the greatest one of all. When she sees that you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And today, maybe today will be the day when you tell her not only that you love her, but that you love the God that she serves.